Section 30 of the Underground Railroad, Part 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. The Underground Railroad, Part 3, by William Still. Section 30. Arrival from near Washington, D.C., john johnson and lawrence thornton john escaped from near washington he stated that he was owned by an engraver known by the name of william stone and added that himself and seven others were kept working on the farm of said stone for nothing john did not however complain of having a hard master in this hard-named personage stone for as a slave he confessed that he had seen good times yet he was not satisfied he felt that he had a right to his freedom and that he could not possibly be contented while deprived of it for this reason therefore he dissolved his relationship with his kind master john was about twenty-seven years of age smart possessed good manners and a mulatto lawrence was about twenty-three years of age tall and slender of dark complexion but bright intellectually with lawrence times had been pretty rough dr isaac winslow of alexandria was accused of defrauding lawrence of his hire he was anything else but a gentleman said lawrence he was not a fair man no way and his wife was worse than he was and she had a daughter worse than herself last sunday a week my master collared me for my insolence he said and told me that he would sell me right off i was tied and put upstairs for safe keeping i was tied for about eight hours i then untied myself broke out of prison and made for the underground railroad immediately lawrence gave a most interesting account of his life of bondage and of the doctor and his family he was overjoyed at the manner in which he had defeated the doctor and so was the committee hon l mclean's property soon after his death travels via the underground railroad william knight esq loses a superior article jim scott tom pennington sam scott bill scott abe bacon and jack wells an unusual degree of pleasure was felt in welcoming this party of young men not because they were any better than others or because they had suffered more but simply because they were found to possess certain knowledge and experience of slave life as it existed under the government of the chivalry such information cannot always be obtained from those whose lot had been cast among ordinary slaveholders consequently the committee interviewed them closely and in point of intellect found them to be above the average run of slaves as they were then entered on the record, so in like manner are the notes made of them transferred to these pages. Jim was about nineteen years of age, well-grown, black, and of prepossessing appearance. The organ of hope seemed very strong in him. Jim had been numbered with the livestock of the late Honorable L. McLean, who had been called to give an account of his stewardship about two months before Jim and his companions took out as to general usage he made no particular charge against his distinguished master he had however not been living under his immediate patriarchal government but had been hired out to a farmer by the name of james dodson with whom he experienced life sometimes hard and sometimes smooth to use his own words the reason of his leaguing with his fellow-servants to abandon the old prison-house was traceable to the rumor that he and some others were to appear on the stage or rather the auction block in baltimore the coming spring tom another member of the mclean institution was about twenty-five years of age 
of unmixed blood and a fair specimen of a well-trained field-hand he conceived that he had just ground to bring damages against the hon l mclean for a number of years of hard service and for being deprived of education he had been compelled to toil for the honorable gentleman not only on his own place but on the farms of others at the time that tom escaped he was hired for one hundred dollars per annum and his clothes found him which hire mclean had withheld from him contrary to all justice and fair dealing but as tom was satisfied that he could get no justice through the maryland courts and knew that an old and intimate friend of his master had already proclaimed that negroes had no rights which white men are bound to respect also as his experience tended to confirm him in the belief that the idea was practically carried out in the courts of maryland he thought that it would be useless to put in a plea for justice in maryland he was not however without a feeling of some satisfaction that his old master in giving an account of his stewardship at the bar of the just one would be made to understand the amount of his indebtedness to those whom he had oppressed with this impression and the prospects of equal rights in canada under her british majesty's possessions he manifested as much delight as if he was travelling with a half million of dollars in his pocket sam another likely-looking member of this party was twenty-two years of age and a very promising-looking young fugitive having the appearance of being able to take education without difficulty he had fully made up his mind that slavery was never intended for man and that he would never wear himself out working for the white people for nothing he wanted to work for himself and enjoy the benefits of education etc bill scott another member of the mclean party was twenty-one years of age fat and slick and fully satisfied that canada would agree with him in every particular not a word did he utter in favor of maryland but said much against the manner in which slaves were treated how he had felt about the matter etc abe was also from the mclean estate he possessed apparently more general intelligence than either of his companions he was quite bright-witted a ready talker and with his prospects he was much satisfied he was twenty-two years of age black good-looking and possessed very good manners he represented that his distinguished master died leaving thirteen head of slaves his abe's father tom's mother and the mother of the scots were freed by mclean strong hopes were entertained that before the old man's death he would make provision in his will for the freedom of all the other slaves when he died the contrary was found to be the fact they were still left in chains the immediate heirs consisted of six sons and five daughters who moved in the first circle were very wealthy and aristocratic abe was conversant with the fact that his master the hon l mclean was once secretary under president jackson that he had been sent to england on a mission for the government and that he had served two terms in congress some of the servants abe said were treated pretty well but some others could not say anything in the master's favor upon the whole however it was manifest that the mclean slaves had not been among the number who had seen severe hardships they came from his plantation in cecil county maryland where they had been reared in order to defend themselves on the underground railroad they were strongly armed sam had a large horse pistol and a butcher knife jack had a revolver abe had a double-barreled pistol and a large knife jim had a single-barreled pistol and counted on blowing a man down if anyone touched him bill also had a single-barreled pistol and when he started resolved to come through or die although this party was of the class said to be well fed well clothed and not overworked yet to those who heard them declare their utter detestation of slavery 
and their determination to use their instruments of death even to the taking of life rather than again be subjected to the yoke it was evident that even the mildest form of slavery was abhorrent they left neither old nor young masters whom they desired to serve any longer or look up to for care and support jack who was not of the mclean party but who came with them had been kept in ignorance with regard to his age he was apparently middle-aged medium size dark color and of average intelligence he accused william knight a farmer of having enslaved him contrary to his will or wishes and averred that he fled from him because he had used him badly and kept mean overseers jack said that his master owned six farms and kept three overseers to manage them the slaves numbered twenty-one head the names of the overseers were given in the following order alfred king jimmy allen and thomas broxton in speaking of their habits jack said that they were very smart when the master was about but as soon as he was gone they would instantly drop back they were all mean but the old boss was meaner than them all and the overseers were freighter of him than what i was said jack his master mr knight had a wife and seven children and was a member of the episcopal church in good and regular standing he was rich and with his family moved in good society his wife was too stingy to live and if she was to die she would die holding on to something said jack jack had once had a wife and three children but as they belonged to a slaveholder jim price jack's rights were wholly ignored and he lost them end of section thirty recording by greg giordano newport ritchie florida